0: Most gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for being such an amazing God. And we ask, Lord, as we're about to uh, get to the scriptures this morning, we ask for the leading power of your Holy Spirit, that you anoint my lips, Lord, and that you also prepare the hearts and the minds of my brothers and sisters here so that we can hear your message. In your name we pray. Amen. So today the message is a very plain, pointed, simple message. But because it's simple, because it's short, hey, it's only like a two-pager, because it's short, it doesn't mean... That is any less important. You know, uh, back in 2012, uh, October, somewhere in there, 2012, I went to Puerto Rico with, uh, Florida. Florida Conference had, um, they pair up with the conferences over there and they had 12 pastors go across the island and ha- and, and hold 12 consecutive evangelistic meetings there in the island of Puerto Rico. And so when I went there, it was pretty cool because, you know, I grew up there as a kid, but when I was 12, we moved to New Jersey. So I haven't had a chance to really go back and enjoy it as a grown up. And so I went back and, um, my, my family lent me this cool Jeep, you know, with the four door one, the Wrangler. And, and so a couple of pastors and I, we, we, uh, on our day off, we sort of hopped on the car and we went to check out some of the sites and some of the beaches in Puerto Rico, which are really, really nice. And we were there in the water and, and you know, when you don't know the pastor, too well because we're in separate corners, after a while your conversations could get a little bit weird sometimes, you know, you're just talking and whatever, but but during the holy part of the conversation, we were just sitting there waiting in the water and, and talking and we were discussing, you know, how different it is. Because I was like the young guy in the group there, you know. I'm sad to say I'm not one of the young guys anymore in the conference. It's like a whole bunch of other babies now. And so, but anyways, but that was during the time that I was still the baby. And we're talking and they're saying, well, you know, back in my day, because, you know, back in the day, everything was better back in the day. But it was also harder. You know, you walked uphill both ways in the snow, barefooted in Florida. There are no hills. Oh, actually, there are some here. But there's no real snow, but maybe there's a little bit here. But barefooted? And both ways, I mean, what does that look like? But anyways, the point is, we're talking about ministry. And they're saying, you know, back in the day it was different because you have people from various religions, and we all worship the God of heaven. We all believe in Christ. Some of us had our doubts sometimes about Christ. Some of us had our doubts about the Holy Spirit. But in general, similar God, similar Bible. And we simply went to the scriptures and saw how, hey, there's some real truths here, and the truth was what won people over. However, now, nowadays, we have people that don't even believe in God. So you show a Bible to them, so that's just a book like any other that I think is overrated, too expensive, and oversold. I don't know how it is that is the most sold book in all over the world. And, and, and it's a whole different story. People don't even believe in God. Some people don't even think there is a God. Some people think that our forefathers and forefathers behind them wrote this stuff just simply to keep us in line. Because after all, it is a book that says a lot of do's and don'ts. And that's what it was. And we created this being up there to sort of keep us in line. And that's what they believe. And so that's different because we could get a Bible and argue with people who believe in the Bible about this. But if they don't believe in it, then who cares? How do you share with them a God? Uh, a God, not only a God who is loving, but a God who ha- desires a certain life for us, who created us, who designed us, where they don't believe in anything that we have to offer. And so, that's where we were all, you know about those things that make you go, "Hmm." you know, we were, we were like that, just like, Huh. That really is quite a pickle. I don't know what's wrong with being a pickle. I love pickles, but apparently that's what that was, where we're sitting there just wondering, what is that? And so for me, that got me to thinking, and it kind of broke my heart a little bit because the truth of the matter is that God is manifested everywhere. In a couple of weeks, uh, I'm thinking... April or something like that. I'm preaching here. Yeah, sometime in April. And I'm going to talk about the Bible and the validity of the Bible and why we stand behind the Bible. But when you look at some things in the Bible, things that it has predicted and prophesied and it has come true. Things that it has said. Like I love when it says that there will be no one inhabiting Babylon again until this day is empty. If I was an atheist, I would say let's go over there and and, and build a house so that we could prove the Bible wrong. But the Bible said it was not going to be inhabited, and it's not because Duff saith the word of God. And so that's how it functions. But many people missed how valuable the word of God is. Many people miss our God in nature. God is revealed to everything that we've seen. Sabbath school this morning, somebody said, I want to praise God. The fact that we woke up this morning, the air that we're breathing, the fact that there's suns and birds, you know, they're singing even though it's cold. That was pretty cool because it lined up perfectly with today's concept of a knowledge of God. My God is revealed through nature. He is there. He is available. In Psalm 33, 5, it says, He loved righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Psalm 107, 43. Whoever is wise will observe these things and they will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. You see that there throughout the scriptures. That over and over it says that we can see and recognize that, and it breaks my heart that people don 't know God because my God is an amazing God. Go with me to psalm fifty six 56.8. six eight and, and i don 't know if you do the marking of bibles or highlightings or anything else, but you know not only does our God manifest himself through nature, he's a God that is very real, who loves us very much. And look what it says in Psalm 56, 8. You number my wanderings. You put my tears into your bottle. Are they not in your book? I mean, it's asking the question because my God is a God that knows what you're going through. Not only did he decorate this earth and this world for you, and he sets it up for us. You know, when I went to... uh, um, Washington State in September, I I drove from here over there. And as I'm crossing through some of these states, some of them are called like the breadbasket of America. I don't know what that means. All I know is that I couldn't see anything anywhere because there was wheat all over the place. That's probably why. But it was just gorgeous to see the fields and the mountains and everything else. And this is a world that has been already corrupted by sin. And it is still gorgeous. Could you imagine how it was Originally. And how God still reveals himself through us, through everything, through the rain, through the sunshine. My God is right there. But not only does he decorate the world for us and has it available for us, but he also knows the things that breaks your heart. He keeps track of that. You're not alone when you're in that room sharing your pain and your sorrows with God. My God loves you and he knows you and he understands it. You know, I couldn't understand this until I had kids. I remember the very first time that my son got sick. My wife was like, oh God, please just give it to me. Let me be sick. You know, like, like, that's the yearning and the love. Like, she suffer when he suffer, when he suffer all night, <laughs> you know, coughing and, and can't sleep and when and all of these things. And, you know, in the hospital when he was born, a couple of hours later, he had hiccups and they wouldn't stop. And we're like, what's going on? And the nurses are just looking at us, you silly people. You know, oh, just go away. There's nothing you can do. But it's that, that heart, that compassion, that love for your children. And imagine if it was real pain, like the stuff most of you have been through throughout your life my God knows and he writes them in his book he places the tears in his bottles he knows I know I'm here that is my God and if you don't know that yet we need to change that steps to Christ page 85 says and God cares for everything and sustains everything that he has created he who upholds the unnumbered worlds throughout immensity at the same time cares for the wants of the little brown sparrow that sings its humble song without fear when men go forth to their daily toil, as when they engage in prayer, when they lie down at night, and when they rise in the morning, when the rich man feasts in his palace, or when the poor man gathers his children about the scanty board, each is tenderly watched by the Heavenly Father. No tears are shed that, the God, that God does not notice it. There is no smile that he does not mark. My God is an amazing God. Not only that, he, he he's he's not he's not only good; he is better than good. First Corinthians two nine it says, "But it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him." I don't know. I I don't know. Um. I don't know if you ever received like a really like poor gift like what in the world is this you know my my wife and I we moved before we moved to St. Pete that was like the longest we were in one house We actually stayed in the house three years before coming here, because even in St. Pete we moved a lot. But like in five years, we have moved nine times. You know, we went to Michigan with Julian to like a a two-bedroom apartment, and then we learned we had another baby, because that's what happens in seminary. And then we had to move to like a three-bedroom now, because we have more babies in the way. And and so, and then we moved to to St. Pete. We were like in this extended state hotel until we found an apartment, and then we kind of outgrew that too, because we had another one coming. You know, all all these things. And so, but the point is is that when you move, you go through stuff and you pack stuff and, and unpack stuff and move stuff. And I found some treasures that I'm like, what is this? And then I said, and then it says, love, Julian. Ah, look how beautiful this is. This is gorgeous. This is because suddenly the person that gave it to you makes all of the difference in the world. And so when you look at this world, when you realize that it was given to you by God, suddenly you'll get to see some appreciation and recognize its beauty, where it really is. Because it is a gift of God, and we get a chance to see that. That's how my God works. Go with me to John 16, verses 13 through 15. John 16, verses 13 through 15, and then we're going to go to Matthew and then Hosea, and we'll wrap it up for today. I have to tell you, I could say a whole lot about this message. I'm just touching on a bit of highlights on purpose. Um, Part of it is my ADD as well, but is that I wanted to shrink this down to fit with today's service, but I did not want to cheat you too, too much, but go with me to John, John 16, Okay. And, and let me tell you what is the reason here, okay? Um, my God is not only revealed to us through nature. So when we're wondering about who God is and that, he's also revealed through his word he is available, he is there, he is revealed to his word, and, and we get to see things from him, you know, uh, it, it says in, in John 1, 3, that all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made, Revelation 20 to 12, it says that he will come quickly, and his reward is with him to give everyone according to his word, throughout the Bible, Jesus said that these are they that speak of me, right? And then from there, we get to see that that was the Old Testament. In the New Testament, even more so it talks about Jesus. From the fact that He's our Creator, to the fact that He's our Redeemer. From the fact that He was there at the beginning and to the fact that He will be there at the end. From the fact that not only was He there as Creator and God, but that He left the heavens, came down to die for you and me, to redeem us, to change His life for our death, to change His victory for our failures, to give us brand new life, and He's coming back to take us home. This is all available to throughout the scriptures. And so through the word of God, we get to see that there is a God out there. When you look at the scriptures, you see everything about it. Again, wait until that sermon in April. You'll get to see more about the Bible. But look at what it says here in, in John 16, 13 to 15, you know, because it, he is revealed through the scriptures. We must always pray and call upon the spirit. But look what it says. Who, However, When the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Verse 14, he will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Verse 15, all things that the Father has are mine, therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. So if you want to know God through the scriptures, it's another amazing way you know very interesting those who were here for sabbath school i gave the leaders of this church the sermon schedule back in Octo- uh no back in september through to march this sermon happens to line up on the very same week that this verse lines up with the sabbath school and this concept of the holy spirit I did not look ahead. I did not cheat ahead. I didn't even know what lesson we were going to be doing in 2017. I don't have enough time to do that. And it lines up perfectly. There's a lot to be said about how the Holy Spirit works that over and over we are reminded from Sabbath school to even this message now about this concept of knowing God. Why do I share that? Because you cannot trust me or any of your leaders to be your salvation or your connection with God. The Bible says that even demons will pose as pastors. And if you depend on the pastor to be the one to guide you in the do's and don'ts, I can be misled as well. I'm just another guy like you guys are. Yes, has God asked me to lead in this particular church? Sure, absolutely. Am I infallible? Absolutely not. I mean, that, that's crazy. If anything, the devil's working extra hard, sending some extra demons. You know, you know how in cartoons you have like the one demon and the one angel and they're like, they're arguing. I got like 15 from the devil's side trying to, because they, the, the devil would do his best to get the leaders to fall. Because if the leaders fall, all you crazy people that put your faith on the leaders will fall with them. So he would do his best to do that and you can't. You cannot depend on showing up once a week or twice if you come to prayer meeting as the only time you spend time with the Lord. That is not how it works. That is not how you get to know someone. You know, I've spoken to people about the Word of God and and I said to them, you know, but the Word of God says, you know what? Let me ask my pastor. Oh, well, my pastor said this. What about this? Hold that thought. Pastor, what about that? My pastor said, what about this? You don't need that. Study the Word of God for yourself. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you, and He will guide you into all truth. He will give you what is of mine, says Jesus, and you will have it. Let's go to the last three verses for today. Go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 12, verse 7. Because you see... This is a sign. Some of you are thinking, yeah, I do know God. Yes, I appreciate God through nature. Of course, absolutely. But knowing God means more than just saying, I know God. Guess what? I know Obama and I know Trump. But do I really know Obama and do I really know Trump? Do, Do I eat at their house? Do we hang out together? Knowing of someone and knowing someone is two separate things. There's a huge distinction between knowing of and about than actually truly knowing. And you may know about God. You may know about what he likes or what he doesn't like. But do you really know God? Matthew 12, verse 7. It says, But if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless. This is Jesus speaking. He said, look, if you would have known what this meant, you would have not condemned these people. This is part of a conversation from a sermon that I preached a a couple of weeks ago. Go to to a couple of chapters earlier to Matthew 9, 11 through 13. Jesus is saying, if you had known what this means, that means he expected them to know. How did Jesus expect them to know this concept of I desire mercy and not sacrifice? Well, Matthew 9, verse 11 through 13, when you have it, say amen. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Verse 12. When Jesus heard that, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick. If you got 100% health, why show up to the doctors? Why go to the emergency room when there's nothing wrong with you? You don't need the help, but if you are sick, I am here verse 13 but go and learn what this means i desire mercy and not sacrifice for i did not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance and so here you get a little bit more insight as to why jesus said that a couple of chapters later look if you learned that when i told you earlier that i came for those who are sick because they they they're the ones that need a physician not those that are perfect i would call to call this one to repentance, not them over there. So if you're a saint, back up, homie. I'm not here for you. And if you're perfect, get out. This is a church. This is like a hospital full of sick people. Some people say, well, I don't go to church because it's full of hypocrites. Great, at least they're coming. Glory, hallelujah. Praise God that they're here. This is the place to be. If you're like that, if you're out there thinking you've attained, you're going to be in trouble. And so here is this concept that when you know God, you understand that it is okay to hang out with heathens and tax collectors and and, and people who are sinners. Because after all, who is going to bring the gospel message to them if not you? How do you expect them to know about Christ if Christians aren't talking to them, hanging out with them, mingling with them? There's a distinction between partaking and sharing. There's a distinction between pretending and being a wannabe or actually being in the world or of the world than just hanging out and seasoning everybody that you mingle with. Ye are the salt of the earth. In order for salt to make my food taste good, it needs to touch it. And in order for you to share the gospel message with people, you need to touch them. You need to mingle with them, and that is okay. There's nothing wrong with that because God says... I desire mercy and not sacrifice. See, he says go and learn what this means. You have different kinds of people. First of all, what is the greatest commandment? Does anybody know? Come on, just say it. Greatest commandment. Love God. And the second one is like unto it. What's the second great commandment? Love your neighbor as yourself. What is the great commission? You know, we as Christians like to talk about the great commission. What is it? Go ye therefore, right? Into all nations. But I believe that you cannot go into all nations teaching everybody, every tribe, tongue, and people, and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit if you have no love for them. I've also met some people, and I believe that, you know, you can't have love for them unless you love God. You know, and you can't love God unless you know God. And there, and that's the whole thing. So it all comes back to having a knowledge of God, so that you can love people. And when you see people, you're not condemning them as the Pharisees and the Sadducees were, but you actually could have mercy rather than sacrifice. You could actually love them and care for them rather than beat them up. Because it's easy to get on a high horse and think that we've attained. You know, the biggest problem with Christians is that you're Christians, and you think. That because now you're in a different place, you feel good about pointing out everybody else's faults. And that is the worst thing that you can do. That is a sin against God and against men. First of all, the Bible says that that people are God's children. The Bible says that the church is God's bride. And let me tell you this. I dare any of you to talk about my wife or any of my kids. You know, see if I'm going to take it lightly. Oh, that was so good. Go ahead. Keep talking bad about them. Do you think it pleases God when you talk about his children or his bride? May God have mercy. But the only way to do that is by truly knowing God. Go to the last verse for today, Hosea 6.6. So you can see what Jesus was talking about. Hosea 6.6. Last verse for today. It's a tiny book. Somewhere between like, it's in the Old Testament. It's like between Genesis and Malachi. Somewhere in there. Uh... Somewhere past Daniel, I think, maybe, or before, near Amos. You know, I know all the books of the Bible to, like, Psalms, and then I just go blank to, like, Malachi, and then I could do the whole New Testament. They tested me that in college. I think I passed it, but, you know, my teacher used to say, you learn for life, not for grade. Well, I learned for grade, and I forgot because, yeah. Anyhow, uh, <laughs> so, everybody got it? Amen? No? Tesla, you still looking for it? should go digital. So much easier. You know, just, pow. Okay. Hosea 6.6. <laughs> Sorry, I not mean to call you out. You're giggling over there. I don't know. You could blush. Look at that. All right. Sorry. Hosea 6.6. For I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Is this brand new? Have we heard this before? And the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. Do you realize what this means? First of all, through sacrifice, through actual sacrifices. When animals were sacrificed back in, back in Bible times, is how, how I was forgiven for my sins. Sacrifice, power, forgiveness. Burnt offerings is how we honor and revere God. God is saying, I don't want you. Forget about asking me for forgiveness of sins and cleansing of sins. Forget about honoring me. I'd rather you know me and have mercy towards them than any other stuff. Is it important? Yes. But is it more important than this stuff? And I have to tell you, many times here in churches, we're more concerned about being right than being loving. But the fact of the matter is that if you're not loving, you ain't right. You know, some of us think that, oh, well, you're dead wrong, and I'm going to beat you until you know that you're dead wrong. Well, where is the heart on that? Where is the heart? And if you know God, you will care for people. You will not go and be the one sacrificing people in the name of God and in the name of being right. You will have mercy. How is it that we are to treat everyone with mercy the judge is christ the attorney or advocate is christ the accuser is the devil where in there does it say that you have a place other than to show mercy upon people you see when you know god you don't worry about how deep it's too deep on sabbath before it's considered swimming you just know. When you love God, you don't worry about how many times you need to forgive your brother. And then that's it. Until seven, Jesus asked Peter. You don't worry about the systematic Christianity of do's and don'ts. But you just know because you know God. And you know exactly what love is. You know exactly what mercy is. You know, <laughs> my dad, um, I was talking to him this week because we, we I was meeting with a financial management uh, um, to, to rechange my life insurance. Um, from 20 year, uh, you know, 20 year and then, and it stops to permanent for the rest of my life. Cause I'm planning to stick around a little bit longer than 20 years now. And so I figured, you know, Hey, let me do that. And so I was meeting with them and my dad was like, is he from your church? So I was like, no, I don't do business with, 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 church, with, with folks from my church. And he was like, why not? And then I'm like, huh? Cause I kind of want to be able to be myself without having to have to be cautious and, and, and try to be loving. If I want to say like, what is this mess? You need to, I want to be able to be the meanie that I need to be if I need to look out for me. And I realize, ah, you know, because you see, when you when 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 you when you know God, you also know that it is okay to bite your tongue sometimes, especially when you, when you are right and the other person is wrong. When God forgave you, was it that he was wrong and you were right? So it is okay to show mercy towards people. But you can't love people until you love God. And you can't love God until you know God. The other thing is that if you know God, you're not going to let the whole world out there of people die on your on your account. Think about it. This place is on fire. Everybody is dying and we are just playing church. We're more worried about what somebody were or not were to church than people out there who don't even know who Christ is. You're more worried about whether or not, you know, I'm here every week preaching. You know, I was on vacation and people were concerned, you know, do we still have a pastor? Is the pastor gone? You know, don't worry about it. It's okay. I'm here, but even if I'm not, you still have a job to do. And your job is that while you occupy, You tell the world. Whether or not you have a pastor, people need to know that Christ is coming soon. And he's coming back to take us home. Whether or not there is a pastor here or head out there or other people, what are you going to do? We are blessed and spoiled in this country. We talked about religious liberties. That's amazing. There are pastors in other places that have been killed, have been arrested. People have to meet in secrecy, two or three at a time entering the house as to not to draw attention, have to go the long way to get there, to be able to meet still to this day in the year 2017. We're spoiled here where you have the freedom to come and spend time with your family, and we still don't come and spend time with church family, because we're concerned about all of those different things. But when you remember the value of the soul, when you really understand the following, picture a house on fire. There's tons of people there that you care about and you love. Are you going to worry about what I'm wearing if I'm going to go in there and help you rescue them? Uh, Like, oh, no, you you could rescue them, but first you can't be dressed like that. Mm I mean, could you picture that? My God says, "Come as you are," and then when we do, we scare that we scare them away. That's not how it works. When you know God, you learn to accept people where they are, and trust that it is God's job to change people. It is not our job to change people. When you know God, you recognize everyone out there as His children. And what's important is that you get them out of that building. Well, it's not convenient for me to go in there right now because you see I have a meeting and I have whatever. Well, you know what? I already rescued two people today, so I'm good for the month. Uh, maybe I'll wait till when you see that people need Christ in their life. There's no such thing as I met my quota. It's not how it works. People are dying plain and simple. God is coming soon. We need to tell them about it. When I went to the trip in Puerto Rico back into the, for the evangelistic meetings, they gave us a tour of the hospital there in Mayagüez, Puerto Rico, and I learned something that I did not know, how the message from this church got to Puerto Rico. You had the Spanish-American War in 1898, and then you had a soldier who also was a missionary who had the passion by the name of A.M. Fisher. And one man came to Puerto Rico, in the war, after the war, he decided to stay and the work began in 1901. By 1909, two conferences were organized. By 1997, they had over 256 churches. By 2007, they had over 290 churches. Today, over 350 and four conferences. Why? Because of one soldier who decided to hang back and share the gospel message. Do not, do not limit the ability of God in your life and what he can do in you and through you for the benefit of all. We see in Mark 6, Mark 6-6 actually, we see in Mark 6-6 where Christ was limited. He couldn't perform any miracles there because of their lack of belief except lay a few hands on people. There were limit, the limit of the power of God because of their lack of belief. It's hard to believe in someone that you don't know. If you know God, then you know what wonderful things he can do in you and through you. And so my prayer this morning is that you really consider developing further a relationship with God. And watch how he works in your life. If you aren't ministering to people, then you may not know him. If it's hard for you to be loving and compassionate with people, then you don't know him. If it's difficult for you to spend time with him daily rather than once a week, then you really don't know him. Because you know what? When I first started dating my wife, oh, man. I, I Man, we used to like fall asleep on each other on the phone. You know what I mean? Just just like you hang up. No, you, you know. And we're there just falling asleep while talking to each other. But But I just couldn't get enough of the system. Some of us, you know, we, we, if I preach more than, 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 five, than, than five minutes after the time, uh, enough, I had enough Jesus for this week, see you next Sabbath. Like, wow, then that means you really don't know him because as you get to know him, you just can't get enough of him. So I want to encourage you to develop that relationship with God. A knowledge of God is crucial so that you can love him, loving him and knowing him so that you can love in, in your neighbor, even if they're unlovable people so that you can go right ahead and fulfill your task here to share the gospel message with everyone. Let us go ahead and pray. Most gracious and heavenly Father, Lord, I ask for a special blessing over this church. Uh, You know, I've preached a message that they've heard bits and pieces of this when when I talk because I'm very passionate about this. And it's like, yeah, thanks for the reminder. I, I get it. But unless we put it into practice, it means nothing. You know, it's right up there with my doctor telling me to change my diet. Otherwise, you know, I'm going to have poor health. You know, he could tell me all he wants, but I need to step up and do something. Otherwise, it's not going to change. You know, it's it's right up there with me studying for the test. I mean, people could tell me to study, but if I don't, what's going to happen when the test comes? And Father God, you could have finished this work all by yourself, but you have asked us to be extensions of you. And we can't do this out of the kindness of our own heart because our hearts are bitter and they lack kindness. So we need your love in us. Therefore, we need a relationship with you. May you bless us and keep us and anoint us, O oh Lord. We yearn, we yearn to develop such relationship so that you can work in us and through us for the benefit of all. Bless us and keep us now and pour out your spirit. It is my prayer in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.